Welcome to Grace 360, a vibrant discussion on issues of diversity that we hope is engaging, biblical, and slightly entertaining. The goal of these podcasts is to create a healthy, honest, and helpful discussion for Christian educators, parents, and students from a biblical perspective on current cultural issues relating to diversity. Diversity, for our purposes, is related to the acrostic grace, gender, race, age, ability, culture, and economic status. While we don't have all the answers, we hope our discussion is thought-provoking and helpful. Welcome to Grace 360. Welcome back. I'm glad to have you back for this next episode from Grace 360. Um, I thought before we got started, um, I love the dialogue we had on partiality, the last podcast we published, but I also thought it was kind of boring. And I also was wondering if anybody really knows who the four of us are. So I thought I might start off with some random questions to ask y'all so that our audience can get to know us a little bit better. Um, so as you know, we have Cindy DeLeon, who's a history teacher, to Marcus Raglan, who who was teaching and is now in a church leading young marrieds. And then Dan Panetti, who's a worldview director, and myself, who is a director of diversity. So I guess I'm just going to throw out some random things. Um, but I just wanted to start off with one of us is going to have big, exciting news in January. Um, the youngest one of all of us. So tomorrow, what's news. happening in your family oh. in January? <laughs> Um, well, a lot's happening in January, actually. In my family, the biggest thing is um, we're expecting a little girl on the 30th. Yep, so super excited about that. Can't wait for her to be a, a great new addition to the fam. Um, my birthday's also in January. That's, that's super less important now once she gets here. Yeah. Um, Amen. Who famous do you share a birthday with? I share one with Magic Johnson. I have no clue who I share a birthday with. <laughs> Jenny. Wow. I, I, I have, do I really have to claim him? Do I have, mine is Woodrow Wilson. Oh. As a history teacher. But it's yeah. also the Dia de los Inocentes. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's the, day, it's the day where some people in the Christian church remember the innocent children that were killed by Herod in an effort to ixnay Jesus. Get rid of Jesus, yes. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so I'll take El Dia de los Inocentes over Woodrow Wilson. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Jenny, do you have any news about your family? Are you guys expanding? No. Adding any, adding no, any? We, no. Not expanding <laughs> beyond our dreams. So okay. we like, no, we're not doing that. All right. So now that we've bored the listeners to tears, what are we talking about? Today? <laughs> well, okay. So, so actually the discussion will be hopefully pretty interesting, but it also leads to some questions. So politics, we just ended the election cycle. So some people might be wondering, why are we discussing politics now? And I guess one of the reasons we wanted to discuss politics is because number one, we did some things really well, and then we did some things not so well. So we want to share that. I also got many phone calls from people on emails about, hey, how do I handle this situation? Or how do I do this? And whereas we want to say the election cycle is over, we know that inauguration is coming up, and that that will automatically create some more discussions in our classrooms and in our um, amongst our faculty and staff and with our parents so okay so what, one of the things I want to throw in there right the fact the fact that the fact that we did some things really well and didn't do some things really well right I think speaks to the idea right that when you have a diverse population within your school right not everybody's going to be pleased and I think the concept is is how do you how do you handle that 
mm-hmm. right? I mean, because if we all had the same, right, we're all voted for the same person, we all think the same way, right? You don't have any conflict. And I think some people have that as a mindset, like, well, I don't want the conflict, right? So we keep on accepting the only thing, the same kids into the school, we have the same teachers, we do, right, we do everything the same. What we keep on entering is, is this, this concept, right, that, hey, when you increase diversity, right, and we do, do diversity not just with race, but with culture, economic status, gender, right, we're looking at, at diversity in a lot of different areas, right, but anytime you increase diversity or have diverse ideas, right, you're going to have some different conflict. You're going to have some things that you do really well and some things that you don't do really well, some parents who are super pleased, some parents who aren't, right, and I think the concept is just that's, that's okay, that's normal. Right. Within the Christian world, within a Christian school, we have to be OK with having these conversations, having these dialogues, leaning into it and using them as teaching opportunities. So we shouldn't be afraid of talking about politics or whatever subject we want to talk about. Right? We should embrace it. We should say, yeah, OK, so uh, a student said this. This didn't go well. How do we have a conversation with our parents? How do we move forward? And just realize that not everybody is going to think that we do everything perfectly. But I think that that's OK. Am I, am I off base on that? No, but I think that there are some ways to mitigate some of those, that conflict. And, and we so can that learn from it going. and do it better. Yeah. 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 So I don't, I don't, when you have diversity of thought, which thank goodness we have, we're going to have that, those questions and that dialogue, but there are some things that we could have probably done better. There are some things other schools could have done better. There's some things that I think Christians as a whole could have done better, but that's my own personal opinion. So I guess I just wanted to throw out some scenarios for y'all to discuss, for all of us to discuss together based on emails, calls, and then um, things that have happened with us also. So I'm going to start with the little ones and then move all the way up if that's okay and just throw out some scenarios for you. So I think one of the things that we didn't think through this year is that it seems to be getting younger and younger, the discussion of politics and students having these discussions. We weren't necessarily anticipating, um, I think educators as a whole weren't necessarily anticipating that the younger grades having these discussions. And so some of the scenarios that have come up are, hey, we had this fourth grade girl ask her friend, who are you voting for? And when the girl said, well, I'm voting for Trump, the other girl replied with, well, then you're racist. And um, we had another scenario where we had first grade students. One was, they were on the playground and one said to the other one, Biden kills babies. And so the other girl knew that her mom had voted for Biden. So she went home and said, like, does Biden kill babies? And so the question is, is as this dialogue continues to get younger and younger, a lot of faculty and staff in schools are like, well, we're just not going to have the discussions in lower schools. So what do y'all say about that? Do you think that it, you know, age is obviously part of our diversity when we're looking at diversity. What do you think about the discussion in lower schools with politics? Um. My first thought, which probably will run through all of my thoughts on all the levels, um, is the 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 goal of I'm a big definitions person. And so for me, it's like what it, what is the goal of engaging in political discourse in the first place? Um, and I think that that in and of itself, the way we go about it, the, the, the conversation is framed in a way that makes it not. Um, not useful in any way if you approach it in the terms of um, when I talk about politics, um, my goal is to figure out if you are on my side or not. And if you're not on my side, then that means you're on the wrong side. Um, And if that's like my framework, then regardless of like 
you know, rather that turns into me just trying to make you think the way I think or uh, berating you because of the way you think. Like there, there has to be this level of um, learning and understanding uh, as I'm learning from Dan, right? That, that part of the, the way we engage in this conversation is uh, for both of us to be sharpened and for both of our viewpoints um, to sharpen one another, because in, in reality, there is a, a growth that happens um, from both perspectives. And so I think even the biggest thing that we can do as adults for the littles is modeling and teaching them how to have the conversation well. To like the fact that, the fact that we have children saying things like that means that we as adults haven't modeled well what it looks like to have these conversations. That's um, so true. That's that's huge, right? I mean, that, I, that that's the whole point, right? Of of every every scenario, Jenny, that you're going to throw out here, right, comes back to actually what Tamarcus is saying, right? What, what's the, what's the goal of having the conversations? Is it to get people on my side? Right. And if you're not on my side, then you're wrong. Right. And if that's the attitude, right, then, you know, every scenario you're going to throw out here is just going to be a disaster anyway. Right. Because if that's the end goal is to change people and make them look like me, we're, we're super in trouble. Uh, the idea that I have. Right. And like if, you know, Tamarcus and I are talking about political things. Right. I don't want Tamarcus to be more like me and me to be more like Tamarcus. I want to I want both of us to be more like Christ. Right. So my goal is always to go back to Scripture. Right. And, and here's the deal. Tamarcus is going to help me learn some things, right, through his perspective and his experience and his understanding, right? But we're both going to go back to Scripture because that's the ultimate guide, right? It's not Tamarcus and what he thinks or what, you know, Dan thinks or what Cindy thinks or what Jenny thinks. And I think that's where we get a lot of these things lost in, right, is if you're not on my side, I'm going to help explain to you why you're wrong and I'm right. It's like, wait a second, right? It, it, I don't care about either of you, right? I want to know what God thinks about these particular things and then how do you apply it? And I think we just, we get, we get lost in that and we forget sometimes that we're talking to brothers and sisters in Christ and we treat them like trash and that's awful. So to Marcus, that's, that's the bottom line right there. I love that. Yeah. It reminds me, Dan, of um, you and I went in with high school students and um, we questioned them on what they, why, if they could vote, would they vote? And then how would they vote? They all said biblically. And then we said, what are your yep. top areas of voting? And they threw them up, but we threw them up on the board and we said, sure. okay, what does the Bible say about all these things? And they, they left saying, okay, we're more confused than when we came in. And we're like, yeah. that's part of the process. <laughs> so, yeah. Sorry. I'm gonna say, have any of you seen The Queen's Gambit on Netflix? No. Have you heard of it? Heard of it, yeah. Haven't seen it yet. Okay, I'm sorry. This isn't really a spoiler to the story, but it's just a, in terms of what we're talking about, it's an amazing scene. So, like, obviously, like in the show, um, it's about chess, and the main character is like a prodigy. But um, her, so her biggest like adversary that she has to overcome is this Russian guy named Borgov. He's really, he's like the world champion. Um, and, but like all throughout the story or the, the show, there are these like kind of like innuendos or like nuggets that are thrown at the, cause it's, I think it's set in like the sixties. And so like, there's just a lot of like nuggets that are thrown at like the, the Soviet regime and all this kind of stuff. And so when she finally does go over there, like towards the end, um, one, there's a couple things that, that, that happen where she, one realizes that one of the reasons they're so good is that when they have what's called like a So they take breaks in between the games, they get together and they like 
help each other and, and teach each other what's going on in the position so that they can be better. But in America, they're like, we're so individualistic and got to do everything by ourselves that we just do it by ourselves and we lose every time. Um, and there's this scene at the end where she like is walking through the park and like she's heard all these things about the Soviets and what it's like there and what they do. And she walked through the park and she sees just like this whole like courtyard of like these elderly men playing chess. Um, and there's this moment, obviously like there's no like talking, but like it's one of those like cinematic moments where you realize that she's like, I'm not that different from them as everyone's making me out to be that we've both been able to find this kind of place in this game um, that, that I have something to learn from them and they have something to learn from me. And there's this kind of this moment where it all came together. And I say all of that to say like, in a point is I, I feel like that that's, that's part of what's, what's happening when we're having political conversations is I don't, I don't necessarily have to agree with everything that everyone says about everything, but man, even, even someone that you may just vehemently disagree with on most things, like there's still things that we can learn about people's positions and people's values that are important. And I think that that's probably one of the biggest things I wish we could harp on more is, and I mean, this is critical thinking at its core is being able to look at our, you know, um, someone who's thinking differently than us position and say, hey, I disagree with all of this, but it's like, all right, well, what what is something that that you do agree with? Um, because there, it isn't just like 100% trash all the time. Like there's something that can be gleaned. And I think if we're able to be honest about that, even instead of it just being a side thing, then we're actually able to um, even, we're able to help the system be more well-rounded. No, and I think it helps in, in educating students, but also in educating ourselves. Yeah. So I guess. Well, I mean, we, we, we are we are a school. I mean, I think that's the first part. Right. What, what an incredible opportunity. I mean, here, here's the thing. Unless there's conflict. Right. Unless there's disagreement. Right. Um, there's not really opportunity to, to learn. I mean, that's that's what the conflict gives us is an opportunity to say, OK, well, you see things differently than I do. And I think for most people when you see things differently than I do, I always assume my job is to teach you and to train you and to help you see it my way, as opposed to, well, what can I learn in this, right? And I think we have to open ourselves up in humility to, uh, to always ask that question, well, what can I learn as well? Now, it doesn't mean that I'm going to change my perspective on something. It doesn't mean right, that I'm going to change my you know, political affiliation because I've learned something. But it does mean right, that in humility, I'm going to learn to listen to other people Right. And I'm going to I'm going to learn to be OK and even disagreeing with a brother or sister in Christ over some things that aren't central to the gospel. And I, and I think that's what we have to be able to teach our kids. And I think when you get kids who say those statements that you know that they've heard at home, that they've learned at home. Right. I think DeMarcus is right. Those parents have not done a great job of training their students to have conversations in humility, to listen, to learn, right, to grow. Right. They, they teach them out of fear. Right. Hey, if you're on the other side, you're wrong right? You, you know, you're not one of us, right? And that, that's, that's when you look out at the world, right? That's how the world treats it, but it shouldn't be the same way within here, within the body of Christ. I think that's the fun part about us four, right? We, we definitely differ and we definitely think different than each other, but I think the goal of us coming together was so that we can learn from each other. Well, um, because I think the, the big part is it's all four of us think, 
right? I mean, all four of us love to learn and love to listen and love to read and love to think and love to discuss things, right? And I think that's the goal for the kids, right? Isn't it? Isn't that what we're trying to do? Yeah, some of us like to argue a little more than others, but so anyways, okay, so then taking that into mind and that we're an education in, educational institution that we're trying to teach kids to critically think, how do you then engage with lower school kids, whether first grade or fourth grade in this dialogue? Do you just shut it down? Um, I know that some instances that I've heard happen is that conversations are just shut down. Um, some instances they're dealt with with the two people, the, the person who said the statement and the person who received the statement, not taking into mind the other audience that overheard the statements, those kind of things. What are y'all's recommendations on that? So we're talking about damage control at this point. It's, it's either way. So would you proactively, is there a way to proactively go in with lower school? I mean, it's lower school or is it, and is there a way to react well to these situations? Uh, I think proactivity for sure. Um, So pro aspect proactivity, I think um, giving the best depictions of both stances, a a true, not like caricatures and the like tweets that we see, but like the best depictions of both stances um, and the cons of both stances in whatever way is, you know, best appropriate. Obviously, like you have to, um, where you would put that in, um, obviously I probably think their class is more suited for that than others. Um, but there are ways that that could be done. In, in particular, I'm thinking at home, I'm thinking rather it's at school or whatever. Um, and then I even think at that age, like store, like real life application of real people and story of how it affects people. But I think one of the biggest, like a conversation for me in this area that helped me understand something in terms of like taxes, tax cuts, should it, should the should rich, the wealthy be cut more? Should it be more even or whatever the case may be? Um, as someone growing up who didn't know anyone who owned anything, um, the way I understood taxes is, well, if you raise taxes in our household, um, this percentage, that means this amount of dollars to the cent is taken out of the pay, which means, you know, groceries, gas, right? Like I'm thinking of the very like, practical level that's changing and then I had a really good friend whose dad owned a business who was like well hey when this tax raise happened um you know this didn't turn into this wasn't because my dad was greedy and wanted all his money uh we actually there were like four different families that we hired and that lived with us and worked on our you know worked in our family business and because of these uh changes we had to let three of those families go and that turned into tears in our living room of like, we just literally couldn't make it work. And so it's like, that wasn't a picture that came in my mind when I thought about, you know, taxing someone who owns stuff more, right? Like, but now like having these, both of these experiences in mind, it's like, okay, well, how do we make a decision that's best for both people? And I think if you can now get, right, if we can get our students thinking that way, where it's not just, well, what's best for me, but it's, well, what's best for everybody so that, you know, the the, the, the single mom isn't, you know, struggling to 
buy groceries, but then the business owner isn't letting go of families, which in turn turns into families that are struggling about, right? Like um, we're, we're all trying to get to the same thing. And I think if we help our students see that instead of seeing, well, there's this side and there's this side, um, they become better thinkers in that way. Yeah. Cindy, I know that, you know, you're at the high school level, obviously it's not lower school level, but one of the things I've been shocked with was, um, and I understand it, I guess I've just been shocked with it also, <laughs> um, is that idea of, I'm just not going to engage. We're just going to shut down conversation because I'm scared mm -hmm. of how to handle it. Um, lower school, middle school, upper school, all those age levels, teachers, administrators just saying, we're not going to We're not going to get into this. Right. And so you've had, you've done very well in your classroom. And so can you kind of walk oh, us through what some of your goals are, how you do that and why? Um, well, the thing that I need to, um, what I always have to remind myself of is um, it's a quote by a man who survived the Holocaust. His name was um, Hiram Gannott. Um, and he's more famous for another quote that's, that he used to give to his teachers. He became a superintendent in New York public schools, if I remember correctly, when he made it to the States. And he, he had a quote that he would hand out to his teachers, dear teachers, um, you know, I, I saw what educated doctors and educated nurses and educated engineers, et cetera, did. Um, we need, and basically the gist of the quote is we need to teach more than just the brain. We have to teach the heart. It's very much along the lines of what Dr. King said later on, that if you don't teach, if you only teach the head and you don't teach the heart, the morality, all we wind up with are educated monsters, right? Well, Hiram has another quote um, that he wrote uh, where he said that it, he's come to the frightening conclusion. This is a paraphrase. I've, he's come to the frightening conclusion that I, as the teacher, set the temperature in the classroom. I am the thermostat. And that's something that we know. I mean, we do that at home. We set the thermostat at home as well, right? But I'm the one that sets the thermostat in class. So um, the way that the, the conversation goes is, determinant, is determined by me. So what I always have to remember, and that, well, I don't always have to remember, well, I do always have to remember is that I guide the conversation. I have to admit when I don't know the answer Right? I, I can't be the one that knows everything because there's not a single one of us that knows everything. Amen. Um, and I do not demonize someone I disagree with. I have to remember that people bring their life's experiences into this. Right? I know that I, I, when I read scripture, do I bring life's experiences to that reading of scripture? Right now, do I use my life's experience to determine what scripture says? No. Right. But I do have to bring my I, my life's experience comes with it. Um, I guess you could say we all have our baggage that we arrive at politics with. And some of our baggage might lead us to be more prone in one direction than in the other. Right now, um, as Dan said earlier, ultimately, we all have to come back to Scripture. Right. Um, that's where we land. Sola Scriptura. That's always got to be our guiding our guiding um point it's our plumb line um you know all of us know that without a plumb line without a straight edge we don't know when a line is crooked so as a teacher i always have to rely on what does scripture say and what does it actually say not what do i want it to say not was what was i taught that it says um mm. i love i love the christian school that i went to absolutely love the christian school that i went to um but it was not a perfect place and if you dared to tap your toes you are bound for hell. 
I had a, I had a fellow student who left the school because she wanted to pursue ballet and they told her, no, dancing is a sin. Okay, where in scripture do I find that? And then I ran across the verse that talks about David dancing. And I'm like, well, wait, whoa, whoa, wait, right? So I have to rely on what does scripture actually say? Um, and as a teacher, those are the things that I have to remember. Don't demonize. Remember, people bring their life's experiences. And, you know, it's kind of like what, what we were talking about in the office the other day. What it must have meant, and again, we don't generalize, but what must it have meant to an elderly African-American woman to be able to vote for President Obama, a woman who grew up in a segregated South. I can't imagine. Dan, as you said, who when she was little would walk up to a water fountain and she saw colored only and whites. What in the world must that, I can't even fathom that. That doesn't even register, Yeah. right? I have to remember that people bring their life's experiences to that. So I cannot demonize. Yeah. Um, and and in, our, in our scenario, in our situation, nine out of 10 times we're with fellow believers. Um, I, I can't, and even with non-believers, I still can't demonize them, right? And ultimately our allegiance is to Christ, not to a political party. Am I going where I'm not supposed to be going by saying that? No, uh, you're good. Actually, and, and okay. I'll say this, I think one of the biggest things that we kind of forget about is this idea that if I really want to persuade you to believe the same things that I believe, it's probably going to be more winsome and persuasive with yes. the attitude by which I treat you as mm-hmm. opposed to the information that I give you. Right. right. So, I mean, my, my thing is, is we, keep, we keep on going back to the information, right? Like, hey, Tamarcus, you don't know this. You don't know this. You don't know this. But I treat you like trash. It's like, you're not going to listen to me anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tamarcus yeah. is like me. What? Hey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. But if, you, if, if you came up to me and said, hey, you and I disagree on something, you know, let, let's talk about it. Let's let me share my you know thoughts and opinions. I want to hear yours. Right. I'm far more likely to listen to you, to take what you have to say. Right. To wrestle with it, to weigh those things. Right. If you treat me with respect. Right. Then if you demonize me, if you're angry with me, if you yell at me. Right. Even if I'm wrong. Right. I'm not going to change my opinion when somebody treats me like trash. Right. And right. I think that's what we, we forget so often, right? If we really want to change a person's opinion about something, if we really do believe, it's the same thing when we're presenting the gospel. If there's a person that we really believe is, is going to hell when they die, right? I'm not going to go up there and, and, you know, and kick them and beat them and, and tell them they're going to hell, right? I'm going to give them the good news of the gospel about the saving work of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to treat them, right, like a, like a brother, right? Because that's what Christ did for me. And so I think just from a political standpoint, it just makes sense that if you have a person that you're talking to that you don't share, right, common political views, right, treat, at least treat them well, at least be nice to them, at least teach your kids, hey, here's the thing, when you go to school, right, there's going to be some, you know, some little boys and some little girls at class and, and their parents are going to support a, a different candidate that we're going to support. But guess what? You know what? We're all Americans and in this great country, we all get to vote. Right. There's people in some countries, they don't even get, get to vote for their leader. So let's appreciate what we have and let's teach our kids how to how to learn to have these discussions in, in, a, in a way that's right, honoring and winsome and persuasive from just our attitude, let alone the information that we're able to share. Yeah. And, and in our, and devil, oh. No, go ahead. Marcus. Marcus. I was going to say, I was going to play devil's advocate because so <laughs> all right, Dan, I, I agree. Oh, what if, like, you know, I've tried to do that and, like, I'm trying to engage in the conversation and be mindful of how I do it, but simply because of the fact that I disagree with the person and I'm really trying to understand the other side, um, I've been met with hostility. And, you know, before the conversation even gets kicked off, you know, I'm already being 
um, treated poorly and all of this. And so because of that, I've just now started to kind of opt out and say, you know what, you know, I tried, but now, you know. Well, I, um, I think it goes back to what Jenny was asking at the beginning is there, there are probably some classrooms, some environment, some people um, that you can't have these kind of conversations with. And, and, and that's okay, right? Like some of our students, we were talking to some of the kids in high school, you know, there's a couple of classrooms that, that don't handle political conversations well. And they're like, hey, listen, just teach us math, right? Teach us science, teach us something, right? Don't allow these conversations to run rampant so that people feel uncomfortable in the classroom. And I, I think, you know, the, the idea to Marcus is, right, when you have those, you know, particular friends on social media, right, and you can't talk to them, it's like, okay, then, then don't talk to them about these things, right? If they can't demonstrate the maturity to be able to share, right, their ideas with you and you share their ideas with them, right, then, you know, hey, talk about the Cowboys, right? I mean, <laughs> talk about whether they're going to resign Dak Prescott or not. I don't, you know, talk about something else. And, and that's unfortunate because I think within the body, we should be able to have these conversations, right? But I, I agree with you, not everybody does them well. And I think yeah. that that's where it becomes our responsibility to talk to our brothers and sisters and say, hey, you know, teacher, you, you didn't handle the situation well. Maybe in your classroom, you either need to learn to do it better and we need to have some of the training or, you know, you might need to you might need to shut down these conversations because people feel uncomfortable in your class. You don't even realize it. But you know what? People have come to me and said that. And so it would be better that when we you know, when we have the inauguration, when we, when we have the next political cycle, Right. If, you know, if you're if you're wearing your shirt every day that says who you're going to vote for and people know it, you, you're shutting down conversation. You're, you're not being helpful. You're not engaging in the dialogue. So here's the deal. Just, you know, don't do it. Just go back to teaching math, which is great, which is wonderful. Right. We need our kids to learn math. If you can't handle some of these you know, other conversations. Then... Well, it's, it, along the same lines of what Dan was just saying, who has just had to step away. <laughs> um you know, as a, as a teacher, my kids should never know who I'm voting for. One of the coolest parts, and all of us have been in the classroom, the coolest parts of being a teacher is that we get to play devil's advocate. So what I do is if my kids are all running in one direction, I start running in the opposite direction. Right. And not very many kids are going to try to buck it up, I mean, buck up against that. You know, now they might, they might try it, but again, as they get riled, I just don't get riled. We tap that down. Yeah. No you know, I, sort of deal. Where do, where um, do all y'all stand on that question? Cause I don't know if we all stand in the same place, but I also Cindy, like you, my students will never know who I'm voting for mm -hmm. and they'll bug me about it. But we want to know. And I'm like, no, because no matter who I vote for your opinion of me will change. And so therefore you will never know who I vote for, but others might feel differently. Like, what do y'all mm -hmm. think about that? Mm -hmm. If a teacher or if an administrator or if one of us is asked directly, who are you voting for? Would you tell them who you're voting for? No capital N O. We have this thing called the Australian secret ballot. The secrecy of my vote is sacrosanct in this country and in Australia. Um, it's sacrosanct. No, absolutely not. And, and, and God forbid that any of us should ever be in a position where we're asked, who did you vote for? And if we refuse to answer that, we're let go. Well, then I guess I'll be applying a target. <laughs> but Dan, do you feel differently about that? No, I think my thing is, as an educator, I want to know who you vote for and why. Right. Knowing who I vote for doesn't tell you anything. Right. Yep. And, and I can explain all the different whys unless I can walk through all the different things. Now, I can get into a conversation with a student like that. Right. Like I, I can walk through the different party platforms. I can walk through right different candidates and things like that. The goal at the end isn't for you to say, oh, OK, I agree with you. 
right? The goal at the end is for you to say, okay, so he's a thoughtful person and this is where he's landed, right? And then for me to be able to say, and thoughtful people land somewhere else as well, right? So, and I guess it goes back to, you know, I've had calls and emails about teachers having political paraphernalia in their offices supporting one person. Or um, I, I know the other big topic that's come up is social media. Um, that's been a hot spot for a lot of us. I've had parents call up and say, I don't feel comfortable with my student being in this classroom based on this teacher's social media. Now, I know that many organizations do not control their faculty and staff social media. Is, is politics one of those things that we need to think extra carefully about when we post on social media? And how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, I, I, here's I, the thing. You have to. Yeah, I you have to what? You have to think extra carefully about it. What the you way have to think it was perfect. I say throw caution to the it. wind. Just just pitch it out there. <laughs> fingers. No, I I if, so the way I would answer the question is, I won't necessarily tell you. This is what's tricky, especially these days, because things there's such a dichotomy, but. My answer still would be, I'll tell you my pros and cons for each candidate. But typically when people hear, like, so if I give that and then it's like, all right, well, what are the blah, 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 your values and this, this and that. Then people go, oh, you're this kind of person. And I'm like, nah, this is what I'm saying. Nah, but you're this. And yeah. so you, rather you tell somebody or not, I've at least found in my experience, you get thrown into a group. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I try to, I guess I say, I try to hide behind the guise of like, these are the values that I, you know, that I think are important on both sides. And then when people like see this and I'm like, I neither uh, affirm or deny. Yeah, I have a student that is now walking into this world of diversity, equity, inclusion, and politics. And she said, what do I need to look out for? And I said, you will never be liberal enough for the, the, the extreme liberals, and you'll never be conservative enough for the extreme conservatives. You're always yep. going to be walking this middle line, but everybody's going to throw you in one box or another. And that's a really hard place to navigate because you're, you wouldn't line up necessarily one way or another. And that's the hard thing. You know, that's what I love about Paul's answer when he says our citizenship is in heaven. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that first and foremost, that is that is where my allegiance is. And so when I have discourse about earthly kingdoms, all I'm doing is pointing out to say, hey, this is a heavenly kingdom value. I appreciate that. Hey, that over there, that's a kingdom value. I appreciate that, too. Uh, whatever can get all the kingdom values in, I'm all about. But unfortunately, you know, most of the time, you're dealing with this one has some, this one doesn't, this one has some, this one doesn't, this one has some, this one doesn't, uh, which takes me to, I think what's dangerous is when we say this is the kingdom and this side is not the kingdom. Mm. Um, that's very tricky um, because it's not always that clear cut. Um, and so I think, I think being able to identify the kingdom values um in platforms and candidates and whatever it is that we're deciding uh is helpful no one has liked my answer when i say that i just i mean i'm a kingdom citizen they're like that no, I, I i like your answer and I, I think it it you know it behooves us as christians to think about 
politics, right, from the idea that my citizenship is not here, right? So if you were asking me about, you know, you know, po- politics in France, and I'm not a citizen of France, right? Well, I, w- I would look at things differently. <laughs> right? It's like, well, you know, right? and I think that that is yeah, a kingdom mindset is, um, since my citizenship is not here, right? Um, but yet I'm, I'm going to be here, right? I mean, what, what's, how, do I, how, do, how do I make the best of it? And I think that the Bible continues to come back to my politics is, is one area of opportunity, right? To get involved and to be a good, um, you know, to be a good Christian citizen, right? Um, but it talks more about how we do that than what we do, right? I mean, how we act as people um, is probably more important than, than, you know, what we do in those particular actions, how we treat each other. Um, and I think Can I add a nugget to that? Yeah. It just came to mind. Jesus is the most influential human being to ever walk the face of the earth. Ever. And he accomplished everything he did with no political agenda. Yeah. Like that just that just ought to speak yes. something to the reality of how we like I heard I like in passing at a coffee shop heard a Christian say it's going to take a civil war to get this country back to where it needs to be and I was just like that is like what (laughs) no that's not that's not the answer Uh, it took it took one man's faithfulness to the father teaching a bunch of other men to be faithful to the father who taught other men to be faithful like and he in a in a in a very biblical discipleship way changed changed the world and it's like in re- and this was done under in the midst of immense persecution so surely in a country where there is such freedom of thought uh freedom for us to to communicate and have access and to exchange ideas for us to gather together as saints for us to start nonprofits and to do it like surely the kingdom is able to be brought through our actions and how we treat each other much more powerfully in our obedience to the things that the Bible calls us to every day. Like, I think I like just, you know, I'm stepping on my own toes in saying this, but I'm just like, we want to do all this like dramatic, you know, political reroute the system. And it's like, man, if we were just more faithful in our prayer life, uh, actually knew the Bible that we had in our hands, actually like made disciples and right. Like just the basic stuff. That, like that would probably affect our communities more immediately um, in a more lasting way than trying to argue about some dude somewhere doing something that, you know, God knows what. Yeah. Well, I know that S4 can go on talking about this forever, but as we wrap this this podcast up, there are some practical things that I want to give. I want to go back to that lower school level and say, okay, how do you engage with students if they're having this discussion? Um, some of the responses were being, well, we just shut down the discussion. And so some of the questions I have asked, okay, so you shut it down, you tell the person who said it not to say that, but do we address the person who received that? And how do you address the, you know, the, the 
what do you call it, the impact of that statement on that student. And then those students are going to go home and they're going to have the conversation at home. And, and students might have overheard that conversation. So how do we biblically within first and fourth grade talk about, you know what, God appoints our leaders. You know, as, a, as our country, we have the privilege of voting them in, but God appoints them and he allows them. He's sovereign. And so what does this look like? And then, you know, we've had students in my office who have been mad because some students were wearing paraphernalia supporting Trump and others were wearing paraphernalia supporting Biden. And they're like, they shouldn't be doing that. And I, I wrestled with that. And y'all push back on me with this one. But I said, y'all, we want our students to be politically active. We want them to do it well. And we want them to be respectful and mindful. But I'm okay with them wearing paraphernalia as long as it isn't offensive and that they're being respectful of others with it. So I think that those are things you're just going to have to wrestle with. I I would stand on the point that I'm not okay with faculty and staff doing that, but with students, I'm good with them wrestling with, hey, I wanna be politically active. I wanna go into politics. How do I do this well? So I think as a school, you just have to wrestle with those situations and how you're gonna respond and if a situation comes up and how are you gonna respond proactively so that when situations come up, we know how um, what is the best way to handle those situations. So does anyone have anything else to add to this one? No. All right. Well, Inauguration Day, I think, is January 20th. So um, we're praying for all Christian schools and everyone out there. And um, we're grateful for the country we live in. So thank you all. And please join us again. Thank you for listening to Grace 360. As always, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are for educational purposes and are not intended to be divisive or inflammatory in nature. We hope you listened and learned as much as we have in the process of producing the show and pray you'll join us for our next episode. You can find us on social media. We would love to have you as part of our discussion with your thoughts and questions. Once again, thank you for listening to Grace 360.